Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of One Vision and our brand new season, The FinTech Fuse. This is Theo, your host for the episode, along with our other host, Barb McLean, and my partner in crime. We would like to welcome our first futurist on the show, Katie King, also known as Miss Metaverse. Welcome to the show, Katie. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I'm happy to be here. So I have a burning question. I've been meaning to ask you this for quite a while. I didn't quite know how to do it. Like, you know, should she an email like, hey, Katie, a uh, question. So I'm glad you're here so I can ask, actually ask you, what is a professional futurist exactly? And more interestingly, how did the idea of Miss Metaverse came about? Because I knew about you as Miss Metaverse, frankly, before right. I read anything about the Metaverse. Um, so tell us more. Yeah, sure, sure. So, you know, the, the label futurist can describe many different things, right? So a professional futurist can describe many different areas of focus and expertise, there are speakers and consultants like uh, my friend Nicholas Badminton. There's trend spotters like Faith Popcorn, if you're familiar with her. She's an old school trend spotting futurist. Uh, there's fintech focused futurists like one that we're all very familiar with, Brett King. <laughs> and then there's uh, also food futurists. I mean, there's a, a book that came out last year. I forget the author's name uh, right now, but. Uh, it's called the Futurist Cookbook, which I thought was kind of cool, you know. So, yeah, there's a there's a lot of different people now that are using the Futurist label, which is really interesting because when I got started, I didn't know that being a futurist was an actual profession. You know, growing up, my dad bought me all these uh, books like "What Color Is Your Parachute?" You know, <laughs> trying to figure out where where is my place in the world. I would say I was born a futurist. I just didn't know that being a futurist professionally was a thing until I started my Miss Metaverse website. So it was around 2012, uh, around 2011, 2012, I was working in the TV and film biz. I had a, a production company and all that was great, but I had a lot of life changes going on and my daughter was born and I kind of reevaluated everything. I said, you know what, I'm gonna focus on everything that I that inspires me which is the future and I've always been interested in sci-fi and emerging technologies and all that kind of culminated into me launching a website called Miss Metaverse yes so Miss Metaverse uh, it actually started out as sort of like a, a trendy uh, feature forward website it had future of fashion future of food uh, robots um, and where it's all heading it was Pretty, uh, pretty underground at the time, let's just say, but it started becoming pretty popular in a short amount of time, which is great. And because of that, I ended up connecting with a futurist named Glenn Heemstra. And he, uh, Glenn was the founder of futurist.com. So when Glenn and I connected, I started learning about the, the world of be, being an actual uh, professional futurist and what that entails from consulting and speaking and uh, going to conferences and that whole lifestyle. So uh, Glenn became my my first mentor. I learned a lot through him and we worked on different projects together, which is great. And uh, from there, I just kept evolving my website that transformed from being a, a passion project about the future to becoming Miss Metaverse as a, a futurist myself. And that's what I've been doing ever since. 
this is so inspiring for me. Um, you know, I personally love the intersection of what might seemingly be completely unrelated topics or industries. So, um, you know, physics and sci-fi or word etymology. And, you know, I have a lot of various interests and it sounds like you've been able to translate that into then something that, you know, you actually get paid to do because you love it. You also then, right. I think, had an opportunity to interact with and meet a lot of different people through your work. So podcasts are, you know, doing interviews and writing articles and such. And I'm actually super interested to know who have been some of your favorite interviewees and what was some of the most surprising insights that they've shared with you? Oh, that's a good one. So early on in my futurist career, I actually got started by going to different tech events around New York and the greater tri-state area. I was going to like the Maker Fair and things like that. I started meeting all these inventors and scientists and makers and uh, even meeting some robots, which was kind of cool back then, you know. Uh, and, and because of that, I started something called Awesome Future TV. And that was kind of the, the next step of my, my futures career was getting back out there, interviewing people and showcasing what was going on. So that started around, yeah, around 2012, 2013, really early on. And uh, yeah, I've met many interesting people. Uh, on Awesome Future TV, I met this guy named Kiahi Seymour. He created something called the Bionic Boots. And that really stuck with me because he had these boots that made him really, really tall. Sort of like when uh, someone loses a leg and they, uh, they have, uh, you know what it looks like where, where the leg is kind of bent and it's like a bent metal. Forget to get, I forget the name of it, but uh, he made his own version where it's, it makes him very tall. He can run very fast. It's for com uh, competitive running, actually. Uh, and he's very driven in sports himself. So seeing him run around with his own invention, his own bionic boots, was really cool back then. You know, it, it made a lot of people smile, got people really interested in the different possibilities of, uh, you know, bringing about technology and fashion and, uh, you know, having superpowers, becoming superhuman because of it, right? Now, from there, I interviewed a lot of different people over the years. Uh, there's Chris Dancy, who's another a favorite of mine. He calls himself the world's most connected man. So Chris has all these different wearables that he wears. And even back during Google Glass, I mean, he had the whole thing, everything you could think of just logged. And, and uh, it comes from his data analyst background. So he kind of merged the two where he has a passion for wearable tech and IoT and also with data uh, data his data analyst uh, background as well. So he can actually look back on every single moment, every single uh, biometrics of that day and see, okay, I had this call with this person and this is how I felt and this is my blood pressure at the time. And, you know, it's it, even his, uh, you know, his place of, of living, right? He walks in, it tells him that, you know, he's in a bad mood. Here, let me put this music on for you. I mean, this isn't even just now. He was doing this 15 years ago, right? So he was way ahead of his time, and uh, that was really cool connecting with him. And and now these days he's out there doing amazing, and he does uh, some really cool stuff. Like he does uh, iPhone palmistry. It's like a palm reading on his on your phone, your smartphone, and he'll tell you about your life based on your apps. You know, so you know it's, there's a lot of really interesting people out there. Um, also on the Futurist podcast, uh, we had Imogen Heap on. The, the artist, which is amazing. Uh, we had her on, I think around June of this year, and we got to talk about all the different uh, projects that she worked on in the past. 
she made uh, these wearable gloves that would help you conduct music. Uh, also, too, we talked about digital twins. The idea of having a digital twin basically it would, would be a, a virtual avatar version of yourself that people can interact with. And she was very excited about it. Actually, she's all for it, which I thought was really neat. So you'll be able to interact with your favorite artists in the virtual space, you know, perhaps the metaverse. And, uh, you know, it kind of takes a little pressure off of them, but also gives them a way of channeling their, their art and uh, their, their essence, their being into this virtual uh, version of themselves, which I think is really neat. Uh, also, besides that, we've had on Dr. Harry Clore. He is definitely very interesting. Uh, him uh, and our friend John Bess, they worked on Ban Me is the name of the robot. It's a robot avatar, and they're at a company called Beyond Imagination. And what they're making are these robot avatars so that it's like telepresence. So let's say there's a meeting halfway across the world in Thailand, for example. You know, your BNME robot can uh, participate in the meeting, do some work, I don't know, write some notes down on paper, <laughs> you know, while you're on the other side of the planet. So it's pretty cool. Uh, and also, too, I mean, there's a ton of guests we've had. Uh, David Brin uh, is an author, sci-fi author that Brett and I are big fans of. Uh, the David Brin's blog is just awesome. If you haven't seen it, check it out. And uh, I think next on our, our schedule, we're hoping to get Kim Stanley Robinson on. I don't think we've had him on yet, but it's been it's in the works. So we're really excited about that as well. And besides that, I'm actually launching my own podcast soon, which is called the New Humanity Podcast. Very excited about that. And that's going to give me a way of bringing all of my interesting people together in one place. And yes, it will be on futurism, but it's also going to be exploring different emerging subcultures, microtribes, as well as spirituality and the occult, you know, <laughs> which only means hidden, by the way. So we're going to dive into all the, the funky topics that sort of like a Joe Rogan without the Joe Rogan. Sounds like a lot of fun. I, I, I was trying to take notes and check out some of the people that you interviewed. Um, gosh, Barb, we need to we need to inject some some of that fun in our podcast. Um, I like fintech. I like um, <clears throat> financial security, financial health, and education, all that. But we need we need more we need more of you, Katie, um, on our show. <laughs> so um, as you were talking, and as Barb was talking. Um, you were talking about being uh, having food futurist, transpotter. Barb, you can be like a music futurist or a whiskey futurist or something like that. Something cool. We need to change Look, your name. There, ha there has to be an interesting and fun <laughs> confluence between those two things, no matter who's in the room. Right? Because, I mean, for those of you who are listening, if you had not checked out Barb's playlist, she had um, crossed the 100 mark of how many playlists she has put together matching fintech and music so you should definitely check it out on linkedin now back to our conversation um katie we have been going through some quite turbulent times in our world i'm using that word lightly um what are some of the trends that you're following besides the really cool bionic boots and uh, the palm reader and and all of those um curious to hear from your point of view, what are some things that we should be concerned about or we should be taking note of and why? 
Ah, uh, yes. So <laughs> my main focus in recent years would be focused on dystopian sci-fi and futurism and the convergence of the two. Now, an issue that I see with many futurists today is that they are somewhat unwilling to talk about the potential dystopian timelines that we are headed down towards. Me, on the other hand, happy to talk about it uh, because, you know, it, it's there's a lot of pressure to turn something that's dark into the bright side of things. And of course, we all want that. That's we all want a bright future, not a dark future. Right. Uh, however, it needs to be talked about. And, and the reality of the situation is that, you know, whether it was during COVID and the lockdowns and all of that, there was a lot of changes going on. I think a lot of people started seeing that, you know, it, it doesn't take much for a lot of changes to happen in a short amount of time. And we need to be prepared for that. Now, ever since I started out as a futurist, even as a child, you know, I always saw that that we were heading towards a potential timeline in which there is a lot of control and in the hands of a few. And that, you know, we're moving away from our dreams of a more egalitarian society into one that is uh, more more driven by uh, the more lower nature sides of humanity, which is, uh, you know, materialism and greed and, and all of these things. And it, it is it's hard to talk about, but it, it's it's real and it exists. I mean, just look at Instagram. What's popular, right? It's you know, it's all the money and the cars and the, you know, the, the, the aesthetics of it all. Uh, however, on the other hand, I think that COVID and, and these challenging times have also turned people inwards where they're reevaluating things and seeing, you know, when it comes to our health, when it comes to our future, uh, you know, what really matters, right? It's our, it's our love, it's our families, it's, it's our home, it's what's real, the, the authenticity of our lives versus the aesthetic and versus uh, the, the way things look or the, the potentials of having material success. So I think that we have different potentials as far as the, as far as the future goes. I, I would say that we have a chance to turn things around, but we are definitely going through some turbulent times. And I think that 2024, we're going to see another, another level of things to unfold, which I don't want to say it's necessarily going to be uh, really, really challenging in a bad way, but I think there are events that are going to occur and uh, we need to be prepared for those. Now, the topics and trends that I really dive into uh, as of late, you know, especially for my book, which we could talk about later, uh, which are populism, right? Populism is really big. Uh, it's a topic that some would say that they support. Others would say they definitely don't support, right? Uh, there's microtribes, subcultures, and that's really taking over in every area of our lives, right? For better or worse, people are finding small groups to identify as and and the identity is becoming more more ingrained in our society and it's it's more of our persona than ever so it's uh whether you go to cosplay events right you know comic-con or something like that you know i'm a cosplayer or i'm a futurist or i'm this there's so many different labels and i think we're going to find more of that in the future as especially as uh especially as the times become more challenging, we're going to be seeing more people finding the others, finding their groups. And, and I think that that could actually be a relief in some ways, but I think there's going to be a lot of people who don't understand at the same time. 
Now there's also life extension and biohacking. Those are uh, very important. But the problem is, is that we have two different groups of life extension and biohacking. We have those who can afford to try supplements and research and better their health, hopefully uh, get into the prevention of diseases and illness. Uh, there's a lot of great people that are in that space that are actually working very hard to bring this to everyone versus it being in the hands of a few. But you see uh, different people like, for example, uh, Brian Johnson, I believe his name, the founder of Kernel, he's all over the news because he spends something like $2 million a year on life extension and biohacking. I mean, it's just absurd. Uh, he's getting swapping blood with his 18 year old son, you know, uh, you know, in order to live longer, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, that that's not practical. Uh, that's not attainable for 99.999% of people. You just don't, you know, who would spend $2 million a year just in the pursuit of, uh, you know, life extension. So that's definitely something that interests me. I would like to see more people have access to this. And, and that's something that I've felt very passionate about for a long time. Then there's transhumanism, which is a hot topic. I got into some trouble early on in my career because I was very fascinated by transhumanism. However, there's a lot of people that don't understand what it means. And there's even more people that are very, very afraid of what it could mean. It's a, it's, it could mean becoming more through technology. Uh, it could mean so much as eventually uh, uploading our consciousness into a metaverse, right? So this is a very far out there topic that can really, really go deep. And, uh, you know, I think that this is going, it's going to come more into place so more in the next 30 years, I think. Perhaps not uploading our consciousness into the net. <laughs> However, I think that uh, it'll be more of a mix between life extension, biohacking, and transhumanism in that way. You know, we can go two ways. We can either become superhuman, right? Or we're going to become something else, man and machine, possibly even machine with human consciousness. So these are areas that need to be explored and discussed because especially when it comes to ethics, there isn't that much out there right now. Last but not least, there is the metaverse. Now, I've been talking about the metaverse for a very long time. Very few people knew what the metaverse meant until obviously a couple of years ago when Meta changed its name and all of a sudden, you know, there's, there's more hype, especially around uh, when the early versions of Oculus came out, you know, uh, the developer kit, it got people really excited. I know I had all the developer kits when it first got started. So I think there's a lot of potential there with the metaverse. We're not quite there yet. It's still very early on. And what is the metaverse anyway? You know, is it like the Oasis and Ready Player One? Or is it going to be different metaverses that we go and play in sponsored or, or produced by various companies? So that's that's yet to be uh, discovered. But actually, Neil Stevenson, who is all over, you know, for having coined the term metaverse, which is controversial. Some say he did not coin the term metaverse. Some others, others say he did. But... The metaverse project that he is working on is aiming to be a platform that is more like the Oasis from what I understand, where it'll give others opportunities to bring everything into one space. Is it achievable? I think it is, but it's gonna take time and I don't think we're quite there yet.
but it's nice to see these things in the works. So those are the main topics that I'm interested in for various reasons. I do think that they're all going to mix together into what we'll be seeing unfold over the next 10 to 20 years. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. I know as you're talking, um, clearly one of my pastimes is, um, you know, living in pop culture and, you know, speaking in memes is a way I've found to express myself. And I couldn't help but think about two of my favorites, which is, you know, being on the dark path, as Yoda would have said to Luke in Star Wars. And... Uh, <laughs> Dr. Malcolm in Jurassic Park, when he talks about, um, you know, you didn't stop to think of whether you should when you were thinking about whether you could. And so that's a bit of the themes that I'm drawing out of this vast array of, you know, topics and subject areas that are uh, occupying your mind. As you've been thinking about all of these various things, was there a single trigger that inspired the idea to write the book that you're working on right now? Or was it just sort of a collection of things and you wanted a different way to express? Um, what you're talking about and, and have a different way to communicate with your audience. What was the inspiration for the upcoming book? Okay, so my book is called Dark Future, Post-Apocalyptic America and Other Cyberpunk Prophecies. So, all right, here's the inspiration, right? I, as I mentioned earlier, I've always felt that humanity was going down a certain road and the possibilities of that road could look pretty dystopian and it's like dystopian sci-fi, right? Uh, whether it be Elysium, something like that, or as I'm going to discuss now, there's a game called Cyberpunk. Are you familiar with Cyberpunk 2077 or the original RPG? I definitely am, yeah. All right, so yes. What happened was, uh, I think it was around 2020, uh, yeah, December 2020, and the game Cyberpunk 2077 finally released. I bought the game maybe a week later after it came out, and I started playing this game, and I'm going, oh my goodness, like this is like actually living in the future that I, I kind of foresaw coming, right? Very, very similar in a lot of ways. And the more you play the game, the more you're going, oh my goodness, <laughs> this, this actually could happen, right? And there's various reasons why. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on with the world order as it is now. We are shifting away from America being the center of the world into a future in which corporations control everything. They are at the, the top echelons of society, and in many ways that's already true now. And I think that what's going to happen is there's going to be more of a division where you're going to have people that are living in the top 0.01%, flying around in autonomous AVs, making their corporate deals, eating and, and drinking different foods and drinks that perhaps aren't attainable for the rest of people. And then on the ground level, you have more of these, as I was mentioning earlier, the micro tribes and subcultures. You're going to have people kind of forming gangs of people based on interest to protect one another, to be families. So you have this idea of you have people well taken care of in the corporations. And then on the other side, you have people that have formed together on the streets to become families. And also too, so there's three life paths in the game, right? You have the corpos, you have the uh, street kid. The street kids would be those, those gangs of people on the street that form together. And then you have the nomads, right? Now the nomads are very interesting because what is rising among younger people 
the concept of being a digital nomad. In many ways, this is already happening now. You have people that are leaving the US, they're forming groups of expats, whether it be in Mexico or Thailand, and they're, they're, they're building these families of creatives and, and people with similar, similar interests around the world. At the same time, you have mass unemployment that's coming and, and happening now. You have people from uh, you know, South America that were forming caravans of 10,000 or more making their way up to America. And with all these changes that are coming, I think we're gonna be seeing more of these types of, uh, these groups that are merging together where you do have different life paths in, in ways. And I, I find the nomad life path really particularly interesting because I think there are gonna be many people especially those that are mostly like in the populism groups right now, they are gonna be channeling that into wanting to break away from society. So there's gonna be a, a big part of this breakaway where you know you have people that form together like these, these giant groups where they're living together and they're even going from state to state to find work, but they're a big family and they help one another and they do work together. And I think that they're gonna play a really big role in the future as well. And this is sort of starting to happen now. So what inspired me to write my book, Dark Future, it was playing this game, but as I got more into the canon and the background of it all, I, I was just blown away because the more you look into the backstory, I mean, this was the, the role-playing game was made by Mike Pondsmith back in the 1980s, right? So uh, they, they still have Soviet Russia and all, and all of that. Uh, you know, what's really interesting too is that there's a, a currency called the Euro dollar, right? Where uh, basically what happens is that there is a, a crash of the US economy. Uh, there's a cyber attack that happens and it brings down the net as we knew it, which also brings down the stock market, which causes a big financial collapse and they call this event the collapse. Now, if something like that were to happen, it would just shake up the whole world, right? And I think what happens is, is that the euro and the dollar combine and they create a currency together, which is very interesting because long before I knew what a futurist was, in my teenage years, there was a lot of talk about there being new currencies called the Amero. You know, uh, there was gonna be the euro, the Amero, uh, an African union, and, uh, and then, yeah, and the Asian union. So. That never actually ended up happening. However, we could see something like this evolve in the future. Now, also keep in mind too, the Euro dollar, there are some cash, but it's rarely used in the cyberpunk dark future, right? What they have is cryptocurrencies. So perhaps we will see something like this in the future. And as I've been writing this book, comparing dystopian sci-fi uh, bringing in these elements of the original role-playing game and the game uh, Cyberpunk 2077 all together, I think that people are really going to be amazed when they when they see the similarities and potentials of what could happen. Now, doesn't mean we have to go there. Doesn't mean this is a sure thing, but I think it's something to think about, and I think that it's very interesting, nevertheless, of what could happen, right? If, if we don't make changes if we don't find new ways to live together, if we don't create a more egalitarian society, if, uh, you know, we could go down a dark future path, but I still have hope that things get better. <laughs>
book. That was really interesting. I look forward to reading it. But as you were narrating it, there does seem to be glimpse of that potential future. I, I remembered reading recently about how technology could potentially bring down the entire financial services system. Um, we've, we've seen glimpse of that um, <clears throat> with events that happened in 2023. So if we're not careful, um, we could potentially go down a path that I don't think any of us want to venture on. But on that topic of hope that you just, <laughs> um, gosh, like I said, I needed a minute. Um, on that topic of hope that you were just talking about, since we are indeed entering a new year, what gives you hope? Given everything that that's been going through, and and I will be the first one to raise my hand that I am an awful, awful person to to think about that. I always end my day reading the news, which clearly I should not do that. Um, no, and, <laughs> no, right. And my favorite pastime is reading Census Bureau reports and poverty reports, which again not ideal. Um, so I need help. Um, and I think our listeners need some help with the new year. What do we have to look forward to? Well, as far as hope, I think that there are many things to look forward to. And I think that that comes from worrying about one's own self. Because I used to dive into the news every single moment of the day whether you be digging through Twitter and seeing the latest unfold and it's like, oh, geez, not this. And, oh, I'm not going to sleep tonight. Well, that was disturbing. Time to put the phone away. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's it's just not good for us. Right. And we got 2024 coming around the bend and uh, the elections and all of this. You know, people are there's a lot of fear out there. But I think in the hope, I think a lot of people really are turning inwards. And through that. It's very liberating and it helps you really set yourself aside from all the things that are going on in the world. And if we think about it, if we all could turn inward and worry about our own self, or as I joke around, I say, worry about yourself, <laughs> right? I mean, we, we have the potential of, you know, what is it, the hundred monkey effect or something, where it's like, if we all just kind of turn inward and try to be a be better version of ourselves, we can spread that with others and all do better together. And I think through that, we will become more compassionate and empathetic. And I think that gives me a lot of hope. Even through all the tough times that we've had already, there's a lot of people that have found hope through those challenging times. And we're gonna be doing more so in the future. Even though there are things that are scary on a political level or economic level, there are amazing things that are happening for humanity right now. And whether that be people connecting with one another in ways unlike other, ever before, uh, having new experiences, being able to uh, remove fear and go after what they dream of, right? It's so important because I think our previous generations, they didn't have the capacity to do that. I know my parents and their parents, they wouldn't, see the world through the lens that we're seeing it through today. And there's a lot of potential there. So if we look back at the past and compare ourselves to where we are now, I think there are a lot of great potentials for the future ahead. 
and just appreciate how far we've come as humanity together and sort of, uh, you know, the namaste, right? It's like, you know, the divine in me honors the divine in you. And, and that sounds a little woo-woo to some, but it shouldn't because it's true. I, I think there are many beautiful people out there and a lot of people with a lot of great potential, many very caring people. And uh, I think that more, more so we're going to see more of those type of people come to the forefront in the future. And I'd like to see that. I'd like to see a society that's built more on merit, that encourages merit, so we could celebrate that. And I think that as emerging technologies continue to take the front and center stage, we'll move away from worrying about the Sam Bankman freeds of the world and, you know, focus more on, you know, the 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 young uh the young kooky inventor who's you know, 21 and invented this free energy device in his garage and wants to share it with the world. So that's what I like to see. And I'm hopeful about that because there, there is a lot of that. Even on TikTok, there's so many young inventors that are just sharing their passion of what they do with the world. It's really cool to see. And I, I hope to see more of that in the future. Well, what you're speaking about, I think, is one of the reasons why you know, Theo and Stephanie and I are so enjoying this space is that we can help highlight voices that maybe we haven't been hearing before and focus on topics that we maybe aren't hearing about otherwise. So it's been a real pleasure for me to hear some of that from you today. And I'm walking away completely inspired. So personally, thank you for that. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I, it's it's very happy to be on. And, you know, you both are great. Uh, it was great meeting you at Cybos and Theo, you know, it's great connecting with you as well. I mean, we've known each other for a few years now. And, you know, the, the fintech world has brought many of us together in, in unique ways. And it's just really great just connecting with with all of you. And, uh, you know, stay tuned for more podcasts here because this is, this is a great show. And I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much, my dear. Uh, it, it's been it's been great, as Bart say, you know, I think your story and what you are going after, it does give us hope, a different perspective of looking at life. And hopefully, you know, more people that hear your voice will get inspired the same way that Barb and I did. So thank you so much for your time, Katie. Always appreciate you. One of these days, I will get to meet you in person um, when you're not overseas and I'm not here and vice versa. We seem to keep missing each other, but thank you. <laughs> so much um, for your time today. If those of you who are listening would like to find out more about what you do, where can they go? Ah, well, my, my website right now is missmetaverse.io. That's me. If you Google Miss Metaverse, you'll see this weirdo chick with short blonde hair. Usually it's purple right now, but I don't know if you'll be able to see that. Probably not. But uh, it does change between bluish purple and blonde. So I'm one of those colors. And uh, yes, I'm pretty much everywhere as Miss Metaverse on the internets. So stay tuned. And I am still writing the book, but it will be published in 2024. And I hope that you all go out and get it. Support the weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> the different voices we will. And we would love to bring you back when your book comes out. Awesome. That would be great. Thank you so much for your time today. And for the rest of our listeners, thank you so much for joining us for another episode. We will talk to you all next week.